Chapter 16. The next few days were like a long, slow dream. I stayed away from Jake's house. I did not communicate with my friends. I disappeared. I found a place for myself. It was perfect red-tail territory, the place where I had made my first kill. A nice meadow surrounded by trees. Not far off, there was a marshy area that was good too. Although there was another red tail who had a territory over there, so I couldn't hunt there often. I spent my days hunting. Sometimes I would ride the high hot winds and watch the meadow. Sometimes I would sit in a tree and wait till some unwary creature ventured out. Then I would swoop down on it, snatch it up, kill it, eat it while the blood was still warm. Days were easier than nights. During the day, I was hunting almost all the time. It keeps you busy because most of the time you miss. It can take quite a few tries before you make a kill. Nights were worse. I couldn't hunt at night. The nights belonged to other predators, mostly the owls. At night, my human mind would surface. The human in my head would show me memories, pictures of human life, pictures of his friends. The human in my head was sad, lonely. But the human Tobias really just wanted to sleep, he wanted to disappear and let the hawk rule. He wanted to accept that he was no longer human. Still, at night, as I sat on my familiar branch and watched the owls do their silent, deadly work, the human memories would play in my head. But other memories were there too. I remembered the female hawk, the one that had been in the cage. I knew where her territory was, near a clear lake in the mountain. So one day, I flew there to the mountain lake. I saw her down on a tree branch. She was watching a baby raccoon, preparing to go for a kill. She would have to be very hungry to go for a raccoon, no matter how small. Raccoons are very tough, very violent creatures. As I watched, unnoticed by her, she swooped. The raccoon spotted her. A quick dodge left, and the hawk sailed harmlessly past. The baby raccoon ran for the edge of the woods. His mother was there. No hawk was crazy enough to go after a full-grown raccoon. That was not a fight the hawk was going to win. She settled back on her branch. I floated overhead, waiting to see if she would spot me, and waiting to see what she would do when she did notice me. I had to be cautious. She was a female, and females are a third bigger, on average, than males. Suddenly, I saw fast movement in the woods. A chase! It was always kind of exciting watching a kill, even by another species. It heightened my own hunting edge. The prey was running awkwardly on its two legs, running and threading its way through the underbrush. It stumbled and hit the ground hard. It seemed very slow to get up. It ran again. I could hear gasping breath. It was weakening. The prey was squealing loud yelping vocalizations. Prey often squeal. The predator moved on two legs also, but these legs were built for greater speed. It had blades growing from its arms, 
It used the blades to slash the bushes and weeds. It cleared its way through them like a lawnmower chopping down tall grass. Lawnmower? No, something else. Salad shooter. Yes, that's what Marco had called them. Marco. The image came to my mind. Short, dark hair, human. It hit me like a lightning bolt. Suddenly I realized, this prey was a human. Why should I care? It was prey. That was the way it worked. Predator killed prey. No! It was a human being! Help! Help! That was the vocalization. It meant something. Help! Help me! The predator was very close. In a few seconds he would make his kill. The predator was powerful. The predator was swift. Hork-Bajir. Help me! Someone help! I don't know how to describe what happened next. It was like my entire world flipped over. Like one minute, it was one thing, one way, then, boom! It was something totally different. It was like opening your eyes after a dream. The prey was a human being. The predator was a Hork-Bajir. This was wrong. Wrong! It had to be stopped. I stopped. A few seconds earlier, I was thinking that no sane hawk would go after a full-grown raccoon. Now I was going after a Hork-Bajir. Hork-Bajir compared to raccoons like a nuclear bomb compares to a bow and arrow. It would have to be the eyes. The eyes were the only weak spot. I rocketed toward the Hork-Bajir. The human slipped and fell again. Talons forward. The Hork-Bajir was totally focused on his prey. I hit him fast and hard and sailed past. Grrrr! The Hork-Bajir yelled. He clutched at his eyes. The human was up and running again. Grrrr, do me, getting away! The Hork-Bajir yelled in the strange combination of human and alien speech that they use when working with humans. He was calling for help. I used my momentum to soar up over the tops of the trees. He had plenty of help available. Another Hork-Bajir about a thousand yards off and two of the bogus park rangers were nearer. It was all coming back to me. The fake park rangers. The hork enforcers. This was the lake. A Yurk supply ship must be on its way in. Yurks. Andalites. My friends, the Animorphs. Yes, my friends. I remember now. But this human was not one of them. This human prey was older. A stranger. The freed hawk was watching me. I could almost feel her drawing me toward her. It was like a magnet. She was my kind. She was like me. But the park rangers were in hot pursuit of the human now. The human was nothing like me. Poor, clumsy ground runner that he was. He was just prey. And yet, for some reason, I couldn't let him be prey. I couldn't. Me. Tobias. Chapter 17 I landed on the perch outside Rachel's window. It was night, but she wasn't asleep. She was reading a book in bed, propped up by several pillows. I fluttered a wing against the glass. Rachel? She started. The book went flying. She jumped up and ran to the window, throwing it open. Tobias? More or less, I said wryly. She started to hug me, to put her arms around me. But then she realized that wasn't possible. Birds aren't exactly made for hugging. Are you okay? We've all been terrified. 
Cassie said maybe you were killed or something. There are all kinds of things that can happen. Jake is so depressed. I'm okay, I said. I flopped over to her dresser. Now that she was sure I was safe, she was starting to get mad. It made me smile inwardly. That was Rachel for you. Tobias, what is the deal with you? Why would you just disappear and leave us all worrying for days? It's hard to explain, I said. I guess the hawk sort of won out over me. Not that it's really that way. I mean, the hawk's instincts, they're strong. I told her about my first kill, about how much it horrified me. I don't know how I expected her to react. She tried to look sympathetic, but I could see it bothered her. I lost control, I admitted. For the last couple of days, I've been living like a hawk, all the way like a hawk. I think I was starting to forget me. I was starting to lose touch with humans. Then something happened. What? She went to check her door and make sure neither of her sisters were nearby. I could hear that the house was quiet. What happened? I told her about going to the lake. I told her about the guy being chased by hork Fortunately, I could see the terrain better than the hork or those human controller park rangers. I led him away from them. I told him when to hide and when to run. You talked to him? I thought spoke, yes. There was no alternative. I couldn't let them catch him. He had seen a hork They wouldn't have let him go. Rachel looked stunned. But now he knows about you. And he knows about the hork What's he going to do? Go tell people he was chased through the woods by an alien monster and rescued by a telepathic bird? Rachel laughed. Yeah, good point. People would just think he was insane. Besides, if he started talking openly about the Yurks, they would find him and silence him. Exactly what I explained to him. I think he'll probably keep quiet. He'll try to forget it ever happened. You saved him, Rachel said. I almost didn't, I admitted. At first, I just saw another predator and his prey. No different from watching the owls at night. No different from what I do myself. Kill to eat. Rachel thought about that for a moment. The Yurks and their slaves aren't killing to eat, she said. They're killing to control and dominate. Killing because it's the only way you can eat, because that's the way nature designed you. That's one thing. Killing because you want power or control is evil. I guess you're right, I said. I hadn't thought about it that way. What you did, eating, you know, whatever, well, that's natural for a hawk. Nothing a hork does is natural. They aren't even in control of their own bodies or minds. They are tools of the Yurks, and the Yurks only want power and domination. I know, I said, but I wasn't totally convinced. Still, it was comforting to be talking to Rachel. You are human, Tobias, she told me softly. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel so trapped. I want to move my fingers, but I don't have any. I want to speak out loud, but I have a mouth that's only good for ripping and tearing. Rachel looked like she might start crying. It was alarming to me because Rachel isn't a girl who bursts into tears, ever. 
Anyway, look, I'm sorry I ruined your exhibition at the mall the other day. She smiled. What do you mean? It was perfect. I was just starting my routine, and you know how much I hate having to do those public shows like that. You put an end to the whole thing real fast. I laughed silently. I can imagine. I hope no one was hurt by the falling glass. No, everyone was fine. But what were you going to do if Marco had missed with that baseball? You would have hit that glass awfully hard. I didn't know what to say. Rachel came closer and stroked my crest with her hand. It made the hawk in me uncomfortable. But at the same time, it was similar to preening, which was kind of pleasurable. What I told you the other day, Tobias. Remember? You're not lost as long as you have Jake and Cassie and me. Even Marco. He came through for you, big time. We're your friends. You're not alone. I think I would have cried then. But hawks can't cry. And someday, the Andalites will come. Someday, I said, trying to sound confident. Well, I better go see Jake. The mission is supposed to begin tomorrow. We don't have to go through with that, Rachel said. Yes, we do, I said. More than ever, I understand that. See, there are human beings all over. Trapped in bodies controlled by Yurks. Trapped. Unable to escape. Rachel, I know how they feel. Maybe I can't escape. Maybe I am trapped forever. But if we can free some of those others, maybe... I don't know. Maybe that's what I need to do to stay human. Chapter 18 The next day, we went ahead with the mission. I flew cover overhead while four gray wolves ran beneath me. We timed it so we would arrive in the area very early in the morning, many hours before the Yurks would arrive to hunt intruders. So let me get this straight, Tobias, Marco said. You're taking us to a bear cave, as in big grizzly bears, and this is a good thing? Not grizzlies, Cassie interrupted. Not in this area. We'd be talking black bears. They're much smaller. Swell, I am totally reassured. Just a small bear cave. The bears are long gone, I said. There are just a few bears around, and this cave is empty. Trust me, I spied it out yesterday. I've seen raccoons and skunks running in and out of there. They wouldn't be doing that if there were bears. Excuse me, Jake? Did Tobias just say skunks? I must have heard wrong, because only an idiot would think hanging out with skunks is a good idea. We're not going to hang out with skunks, Jake said patiently. The skunks don't live there, I said. They just run in there to get away from predators. I didn't have to explain anymore. I think everyone guessed how I knew that skunks ran in there to get away from predators. Look, it's close to the lake, and I don't think the Yurks know about it, I said. Sorry, but there wasn't a convenient Marriott hotel where I could get you a room for the night. So that means no room service either? Marco asked. Well, okay, as long as this cave gets cable. The big game's on ESPN tonight. I was carrying a tiny nylon pouch that Rachel had put together. It was tan in color, so a casual observer wouldn't notice it and wonder why a red-tailed hawk was carrying luggage. 
In the sack was a small watch. It weighed almost nothing. There was also some fish hooks, fishing line, and a small lighter. Altogether, it only weighed about two ounces, but it did slow me down a little. We reached the cave with plenty of time to spare on the two-hour deadline. Oh, this looks lovely, Marco said, looking at the thorns and a scrub bush around the cave entrance. I haven't really been inside, I admitted. I landed outside the entrance. The opening to the cave was no more than two feet across, and about four feet high. It was easy for Jake and Rachel and their wolf morphs to leap nimbly through. Unless there really was a bear inside, they would scare off whatever might be in there. Empty, Rachel reported. Nothing in there but a couple of spiders and a scared mouse. I decided to try a joke. Chase him out here. I'm hungry. Only Marco laughed. The others all acted like I'd said something embarrassing. Maybe I had. Let's morph back, Marco suggested. One close call with being trapped as a wolf is plenty for me. I'll go look around, I said. Sometimes I didn't like being there when they morphed. A few minutes later, they all came out. Marco was complaining, as usual. You know, we really have to figure out how to deal with the shoe situation, he muttered. Thorns and no shoes, not a good combination. The four of them were barefoot and dressed only in their morphing outfits. Leotards for the girls, biker shorts and a tight t-shirt for Jake and Marco. We need to gather firewood, Jake said with his hands on his hips. It wouldn't hurt to warm up that cave a little before the yurks get here. Don't you love it when Jake gets all masterful like that? Rachel teased. I'm just trying to get us organized, Jake said defensively. We'd better get started fishing, Cassie pointed out. If we don't catch fish, we're pretty much wasting our time. The plan was to morph into fish and enter the Yerk ship's water pipes. Of course, in order to morph into something, you first have to acquire it, which means being able to touch it. Shouldn't be any big problem, Jake said confidently. Uh-huh. Cassie said dryly. And how many times have you gone fishing? Counting this time? Once. He laughed. Cassie rolled her eyes. Typical suburban boy, she said affectionately. It isn't all that easy. Then you guys better get started, I advised. I'll go look around. Take care of yourself, Tobias, Rachel called out as I took wing. I watched from on high as they made one failed attempt after another to convince a fish to bite one of our hooks. It seemed ridiculous, but the entire plan was hanging on the question of whether or not we could catch a fish, and time was running out. The day wore on. Still, no fish. Jake was getting edgy. Rachel was downright cranky. And Marco? Forget Marco. This is ridiculous, he raged. We're four, I mean five, fairly intelligent human beings, and we can't outsmart one fish that probably has an IQ of four? Cassie was the only one remaining calm. Fishing is a matter of skill and luck, she said placidly. A smart fisherman learns not to become frustrated. Jake looked at the little watch we'd brought along. From what we know, the Yorks will start arriving in an hour to clear the area. Rachel nodded. Even if we catch fish now, we won't have time to test the morph. 
Maybe we should back off for today, I suggested. You really ought to test out the fish morph. You guys all know how much trouble a morph can be at first. Jake shook his head firmly. I don't think so, Tobias. We'd have to wait until we had another day off. Tomorrow is no good because I have stuff with my parents. So does Marco, which means we'd have to wait a whole week. So we try again next weekend. What's the hurry? The hurry is that the Yerks can't keep coming to the same lake forever. Sooner or later, the level of the water will start dropping from them taking so much. They must use one lake for a while, then move on to another. It could take forever for us to find where they move to next. It made sense, but it didn't make me feel any better about it. This is the first water animal any of us have morphed. You don't have any idea what it's going to be like. I know, Jake snapped. Look, Tobias, I know it's not exactly ideal. Ha! Cassie yelped. She yanked at the line she was holding. I believe we may have a fishy. It took just a few seconds to haul in the fish. Trout, she said, looking it over as it flopped in the shallow water. The hook was poked through its lip. It was about ten inches long, not very big. The four of them stared blankly at it. We have to become that? Marco asked. It's a fish, Cassie said. What did you expect? Marco shrugged. I don't know. Something more like Jaws. This is just a fish. I mean, we could clean him and eat him with a little lemon juice. Maybe some fries on the side. The others turned and gave him a dirty look. Cassie reached down into the water and took hold of the squirmy gray thing. She concentrated. Her eyes closed halfway. She was acquiring it. The fish DNA was being absorbed into Cassie's body. The gift of the Andalite. The curse of the Andalite. The power to morph. Hey, Phantomorphs. Thanks for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. It's your host, Daniel, here to tell you some show note stuff. Basically, if you liked what you heard here, why don't you go head over to audiomorphs.podbean.com and listen to another episode. We're also on iTunes, so you could head over there, subscribe, and give us a rating. That's, you know, all the stuff you do on iTunes for podcasts. If you want to reach me, you can send in questions and comments to audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. That's all I have for you this week, so I will see you again next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.